It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. Encourage you all to check out the brand new website over at vsin.com. While you're there, go to vsin.com slash newsletter. Sign up. It's free by Bill AD. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, they're flanking. A partner on the show. This is uh, we were talking about it after, and that's Scott Spritzer, professional handicapper, Doc Sports, DocSports.com, at Scott Wins with two T's. Dustin and I were discussing the last time you were on the program, Nick Saban retired on us, literally just interrupted the show and retired on us. And you hung out and rode shotgun with us and co-hosted. And I, I think Amal and Dustin would agree. We couldn't have asked for a better partner. Like, you added so much to that broadcast, so we thank you. It's from your many, many years there in Vegas of sports broadcasts, betting content, of course. And we say hi to Scott. Scott, how you doing? Awfully kind words. It was great being here. I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's always, you know, what I do is is obviously sports handicapping and betting. But I don't think there's anything I enjoy more than sitting around just talking sports with guys and it doesn't have to be sports betting. So, and remember, you know, I was doing this a long time ago. The only reason I quit like trying to find hosting gigs or things like that or hosting shows guys was because when I started doing a show around 2011, 2012, and I think I did it for about two years, it was daily. It was 10 a.m. Pacific time. We followed the herd on a local ESPN radio here in Las Vegas. And I couldn't, I mean, there was just no chance for me to win at college basketball. <laughs> it was like I was spending so much time. time. In the day. Oh, my gosh. I was a disaster after two years. Had to just quit because there's so much time that you guys got to put into this outside of the handicapping aspect. And I'm writing up games and giving them out to clients and betting games. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, crap, I got a show to do. So, But I love it. If I had my choice, it would be hosting radio, talking about it all. 
you know, not just sports betting, but uh, it's what I do. So I had to make the choice, and that's the choice I ended up making. Well, I'll say this. I've seen Scott Spritzer's pool, okay? Radio doesn't pay <laughs> enough. <laughs> radio, <laughs> radio doesn't pay enough to fill that pool, my friend. And he's, Scott's very modest, but he does very well for himself in this little racket we call sports betting. Um, there's a lot, including I know Maul's got to play in college hoops. You've got a bunch of plays in college hoops. I did want to talk about Creighton UConn with you guys as well. You've got a basketball play in the NBA, but let's move backwards and we'll move forward. And, and Dustin and Maul, feel free to jump in as well, because I think oftentimes the takeaways can then help us with the divisional round. We're talking wild card, is, of course. And I'll go in succession, just in order here. Was there anything you took from the Texans, Scott, blowout of the Browns 45-14? Yeah, Flacco was a great story, and Stroud's a great player. <laughs> and they've got a heck of a coaching staff, too. I've been a D'Amico Ryan, Ryan's fan forever. <laughs> and to be able to see the coaching job that he did, what's his, his DC's name is Burke, right? Is that Mac Burke? Space oh, right and it's slow. Bobby Slowick. No, the no, defense. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, D, the DC. Oh, Burke, yes. Yeah, Matt uh, yes, Burke. absolutely. Yeah. Spacing it off for a second there. That's another reason Matt why Burke. I decided not to be a host. Uh, but anyway, Matt Burke and D'Amico Ryans have done so well coaching this team up all year long, and Stroud is an unbelievable football player already. Um, I thought Cleveland, you know, if you look at what they did home and road, the dichotomy on defense, the results were not good this year. They were great at home, and they stunk on the road. Uh, the only thing, if we would have been talking about that game a little bit more last week, if Saban didn't decide to retire, I would have been saying the only thing that would keep me off of Houston as far as any kind of big play uh, would be the fact that Stroud was a rookie, and rookies had covered, I think, 21 of the last 59. Not just rookies, but quarterbacks making their first playoff start. So uh, had to hold back a little bit. Ended up playing the over. And uh, But I'll tell you what, I just think Cleveland, boy, they got to do some work on offense. I don't know if Deshaun Watson getting healthy and coming back next year is the answer. I don't like Houston this week, by the way. I think this is a we'll real tough to spot. <laughs> we, we will get to it. And by the way, the, the Browns fired their offensive coordinator right. and their running back coach today. I love the way you frame that. I like this, Amal. Uh, Flacco is a great story, and Stroud is a great player. That's perfect. Patrick, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, if you guys really look at it, Joe Flacco, he threw the ball extremely well, but there were a couple of factors for me. Number one, he, when you move him off of his spot, he's not as effective. And that's what the Texans were able to do, and that's why I liked them in that game. I thought they would bring some pressure. He just wasn't necessarily seeing that. And then I also think there's some shock value to it. When you're seeing a player that's older, there's a little bit of a mental mindset. Okay, he's been out. He's been on his couch. He won't be as effective. He's got tremendous arm strength. That has not diminished. But to me, when I look at this team as a whole, they probably will need to get Deshaun Watson back on track if they're going to be competitive in a highly competitive AFC North. So, as Scott said, great story, but C.J. Stroud and company, the better player, and you saw the result being a blowout. Can you draw a line through Saturday night in Kansas City, a 26-7 win over the Dolphins? Now, they are going to be playing a potential snow and a little win in Buffalo this weekend. Do you draw a line through it, or do you take something from it as a better? If I'm looking to bet Kansas City, I, I, or just a fan of the Chiefs, I'm sitting there and I'm watching again red zone struggles, right? I mean, they kept getting in the red zone and they had to settle for, for field goal attempts in that game. And I really thought that Mahomes would hook up with uh, Travis Kelsey once they got in the red zone, and we just didn't see it. That's a little scary if you're a Kansas City Chiefs backer that the red zone issues continue to happen. And, uh, you know, listen, I thought at one point in that game when it was 
relatively close that KC should have been up by two touchdowns at that point because the Miami offense just doesn't have it uh, when they're away from home. And we might have talked about it a little bit last week about how poorly Miami has done against teams with a winning record. So now they go to Buffalo. There's some talk that it's going to be pretty nasty again, the weather in Buffalo, maybe not as bad as last week when they had to postpone the game. But again, I'm just wondering, is Kansas City, when they finally do get around the red zone, are they going to be able to find the sweet elixir, so to speak, and get the ball in the end zone rather than settling for field goals? And I'm not so sure they can. I think Scott brings up a really good point. When you look at this team down the stretch, uh, the just consistency uh, from an offensive standpoint in the red zone has been horrendous. Harrison Butker has been the MVP for this team the yeah. last few weeks. And to Scott's point on the weather, temperature expected Sunday night at 6.30 Eastern to be about 20 degrees, 16-mile-an-hour windchill, so it's going to feel like it's about 4 degrees out there. And I think that helps Buffalo. I know Kansas City's played in comparable weather. But two factors for me, guys, that bode well for the Buffalo Bills. They're playing great football, 7-1 in their last eight. But this is a team, outside of the bad decision by Sean McDermott to not squib kick it against the Chiefs, they had that beaten in that playoff game. They also went in the arrowhead this year, 20 to excuse me, 20 to 17 win there. That's a mental win. It's not about the victory on the field for me. It's about the fact that mentally now they know they can beat this team. And I think Kansas City, if we look at this addition compared to what we've seen in years past, I think both of you and Dustin would agree as well that this is probably the worst version we've seen in probably the last five or six years of the Chief from an offensive standpoint and overall as a team. No doubt. The Packers, Cowboys, what'd you take, Scott? 48-32 beatdown by Jordan Love and the Packers. Going to admit something here because it kind of builds into what I'm going to talk about when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. 95, 97, whatever it was, 97, when uh, Peyton Manning came out of Tennessee, I was doing the Stardust line way back then. And I'm trying to think of who he had on that night, but he asked me, who do you think is going to be the better NFL quarterback, Ryan Leaf or Peyton Manning? I'm going to leave it at that. Uh -oh. <laughs> I was just a little uh -oh. bit off on that one. <laughs> so, stop right there. Uh-oh. <laughs> don't we see Ryan Leaf host on a Monday night? No, I guess we don't. But uh, so that was, that was probably my, my biggest bad read of my life when it came to that. And then I got to say, you know, five, six weeks in, and I thought Jordan Love was, was going to be a good backup quarterback in the NFL. They let this guy cut loose a little bit, plus great coaching. You got a head coach like that who's kind of a quarterback whisperer to a certain extent, and he was able to groom this kid. And then after that bye week, he's been phenomenal. He's been one of the best in the league. He tore that defense up. Dallas completely unprepared. They should have been scoring points long before it was 48-16 against that Packer defense if that offense would have been prepared. Green Bay doesn't have a good defense. Uh, but again, you know, that's the scary thing about matching up Green Bay and San Francisco laying all those points. Jordan Love's not going to stop throwing. He takes chances now, guys, and, and they weren't letting him take chances before the bye week. You know, first of all, I want to go back to the uh, Peyton Manning-Ryan Leaf comparison. Let me tell you, you were not alone. I know I thought Leaf was going to be the better quarterback, and a lot of other people did as well. By the way, when he, Scott goes, I'm going to admit something. I thought he was going to say, hey, guys, I had the Packers money line on Sunday. That would have been a great <laughs> setup. But when you look at this Cowboys team, guys, look, I look at the line from horrible bosses, Dustin. It's like I drag race in a Toyota Prius. That's what Dak Prescott is. You're not going to win a lot. You're just not going to win with this guy. Jordan Love is the better quarterback. I'm with Scott. And, Patrick, I think you were in the same boat. We necessarily weren't high on him. 
But as the season progressed, his confidence rose and the team got better around him. And now you see a 157.1 or 157.2 quarterback rating in a playoff game in Jerry World. And this is why this team has now got a shot in the divisional round against the San Francisco 49ers, simply because of Jordan Love's elevation over 17 plus one, 18 weeks. Was it me or did He's it look special. like to you guys too that there was an issue going on with C.D. Lamb in the first half of that game before the game? Oh, something yeah. was up. So, There's yes. something going on that happened before that football game. Either on the field there, before there, the game, there or was the something room. personal. Yes, there was yeah. a personal. There was something. I it, it was, and I thought the broadcast did a good job of pointing it out. There sure. was obviously something up there. Rams Lions uh, about a minute and a half here. Twenty four twenty three. It was a great game, Scott. Yeah, great money line play, but I laid the three. <laughs> so there you go. Right. I had Detroit last week, but. Uh, Listen, I thought it was a situation where the coaching adjustments made at halftime. I remember texting back and forth with a couple of other betters here in town, and I was talking about, man, I can't wait to see which coaching staff makes the better adjustments with their defenses in the second half. Turns out both did, uh, but the Rams were phenomenal in the second half with the adjustments made as opposed to the first half when they couldn't stop Detroit. They were going up and down the field. Um, I, I just It went for the most part like I thought it would, although I thought Detroit would win by at least a touchdown in that game eventually. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I just thought it was an extremely well-coached game. Both teams are so prepared at the start on offense and made great adjustments at halftime. Hats off to both those coaching staffs. Quick question for both of you. Were you guys surprised that McVay didn't go for it on 4th and fourteen? I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, and he's actually said today that, you know, hindsight 2020, he sure. maybe would have went for it there. I, I agree with you. I think he had to go for it there. Season's on the line. Out. You can't yeah. punt the ball. No. I totally agree. I was thinking, of, we were talking about the Ravens, and we'll get to them. If I had to say game of the year, it was a random one. Rams at the Ravens, boys. Do you remember that one? It yes. was like the late window on a yeah. Sunday. It wasn't a standalone. That was a great game. I was just, for some reason, I was just thinking randomly when we were talking about the Ravens. Okay, we'll come back and wrap up the MLK Day games on Monday with Scott and then get into the divisional round here on Sharp Money. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. 
Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. $9.99, that's it for a month. VSIN, remember, we've got the brand new website, Become a Pro, Daily Best Bets, access to the betting splits, upcoming big game betting guide, and more. VSIN.com slash subscribe. Scott Spritzer joins us here on a Wednesday, as he has all year. It's always great to have Scott, professional handicapper. DocSports.com, you can check out the videos and the pics. At Scott Wins with two T's on Twitter. We're just quickly backing up to move forward. Scott's got a take on all four matchups, divisional round-wise. We've got college hoops and an NBA play as well coming up. So we're just finishing up Steelers-Bills. Uh, the Bills, you know, the Steelers made it in. It's seven points in the second half. Looked like it might start to get interesting. Uh, but the Bills pull away 31-17, Scott. That's just all about that Pittsburgh offense, not knowing what, what to do out there. I mean, we also mentioned, uh, you know, like last week, T.J. Watt and their record when he doesn't play in his entire career is, you know, pretty bad, obviously, well below 500. And he's like 60, they're like 69-33 and 33 with a couple of pushes when he does play. Uh, but on the flip side, I, I, I have no, like they keep talking about should Mike Tomlin come back. I believe he should. He's got to find not only a quarterback, which ain't easy to do, but he's got to find an offensive-minded offensive coordinator. I know that sounds weird, uh, but they are way too conservative on offense. Yes. They don't have the same receivers they used to have. So that was the big story from that game. Plus, you know, the Buffalo Bills, since they made that change in offensive coordinator, and I'll give the stats later when we're previewing uh, the game this weekend, but my gosh, they've focused on the ground game. That offensive line is doing a phenomenal job of blocking for the ground game and also protecting uh, Josh Allen for the most part. And what it does is it doesn't, Josh Allen doesn't have to be put into situations where in his mind he's feeling he's got to make a desperation throw, and that's what that ground game does for him. So I thought that was the key take from that game is that they're continuing to look at a ground game and then go to the passing game based off of what they're doing on the ground. No, it's well put. And based on our discussion during the break, you're not high on the Bucks. They beat a dispirited Eagles team 32-9. to I, I got to do my best sometimes to not be prejudiced against a team you know, from what you've seen throughout the year, and you just keep shaking your head, and you're going, how is this team getting it done? I mean, they had that stretch where they lost, what, like five out of six games earlier this season. But look how they got here. I mean, gosh, you they gave up almost six yards per play the second half of the season. Horrible, almost six yards per play uh, in the second half of the campaign. And that was against guys like Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young a couple of the times, Gardner Minshew. And they're giving up six yards per pop, and Philly can't be prepared enough to win this football game, a team that they totally dominated defensively earlier this season. Of course, Philly was playing a much better brand of football back then. I agree with, I can't remember the uh, lineman who came out and was just saying we did absolutely zero to right the ship from what we did down the stretch this season. So Tampa Bay, my point was, is Tampa Bay just keeps catching teams at the right time. Uh, whether it be a really bad quarterback, a banged up quarterback, a team in a real bad scheduling spot, or last week a team that had given up on the season. They've been fortunate thus far. Love it. Okay. Now we head to Saturday. 
And we'll go rotation number, just in order. 301, Houston's at Baltimore. Now, I'm going to give you just the origination. So this one opened DraftKings 9.5, did get bet down to 9, and then today, Scott, back up to 9.5. The Ravens laying it in a total of 43 and a half. Yeah, you know how much I just talked about, how much I, I like watching C.J. Stroud play. I love this guy, but and I, I like Lamar Jackson a little bit more. Uh, I went against Baltimore their final game of the regular season. That's when they were sitting all their key players down, and uh, they lost that game to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm back on them this week, arguably the best team in the league. Nobody's surprised by that comment. But that offense is clicking, and I think it's worth noting that the last time Houston faced a defense – Grabbed this off the web somewhere, confirmed it. Did my notes, did my work, confirmed it. The last time they faced a defense ranked higher than 14th in yards per play allowed, it was week one against these Baltimore Ravens, and they lost that game 25-9. to But how'd you like to go through 16 games, 17 including the playoffs, and not face a defense that was ranked in the top 14 as far as yards per play allowed? So as much as I like D'Amico Ryans, Matt Burke, they've also been fortunate in their schedule. Um, now they go from that mistake-prone quarterback in Joe Flacco last week who had thrown eight picks in five games going into that game uh, to the MVP as far as I'm concerned in the league and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Lamar gives Houston's defense their biggest challenge of the season or at least since he played them in week one. I, I, I don't talk angles a lot but I do start to look at them when it comes to the playoffs. I think it's like human condition, human nature type of stuff that I look for when it gets to the postseason. And there's certain dogs in a line range, including this prize, that have been horrible off a win by four or more touchdowns. And the last 11 times that Baltimore has faced a good passing team, good passing teams are considered 61% completion rate or better. The Ravens won by an average score of 30 to 13 in those 11 games. I, I think this is a real tough spot for a really good young player and a good coaching staff, Houston. I like Baltimore minus the points here. Patrick, I agree with Scott. Look, we've gotten all the excitement of the Texans based on the performance against the Browns, but I think it's being a little bit overstated. I talked about it a little bit earlier about Joe Flacco. There was a more hype to it than it was actual substance, and I think that's a bit of a problem. This Ravens team, we talked about it earlier, uh, they just seem like they're in the perfect spot. I know they've had some past failures in the postseason. Lamar's only thrown seven picks this year. I'd be actually more concerned about him putting the ball in the turf than I would be him throwing an interception in this game. But as good as Houston has played, I think they'll look back on the season and say, hey, look, we had a great season with a second overall pick quarterback, Will Anderson and, and company, but there's still a margin between Baltimore and, Tech and Houston at this point in time for the Texans. So I think the Ravens are going to be ready to go with a great opportunity for them. Okay, 303. We had a great Ryan Leaf, Jordan Love corollary from Scott <laughs> Spritzer earlier. Which only Scott could break out. That was tremendous. Uh, but 303, it, while the number's big, it does feel like an exciting matchup. I know that sounds crazy, but Green Bay and San Francisco, this number did get up to 10, but it's 9.5 right now. San Francisco laying 9.5. And a pretty big total here, 50 and a half, Scott. Yeah, I was going to get your guys' thoughts on the total here because I think I'm going to leave the side alone. Uh, it's a situation where you look. I know Dallas is not on the level of San Francisco, whether it be coaching or player talent. And obviously, I think San Francisco's show that they're going to be prepared and ready for this game. But the thing is, is I mean, the Cowboys still finished you know, top 10 uh, during the regular season in yards per play allowed. And then what does Green Bay do? They get almost eight yards per play in that game. It was, it was that ugly. Four for four in the red zone. Um, I love what LaFleur has done with this offense. It's not it, – I mean, Jordan Love deserves all that credit that we've already talked about. But this receiving core, 
Did Aaron Rodgers ever have a deep receiving core like this when he was at uh, Green Bay? And I'm not trying to stick up for Aaron Rodgers, but the symbiosis that they've already worked out between this receiving room and Jordan Love is impressive. Very impressive. So, anyway, Stenovich is calling the right plays as far as the uh, offensive play calling is concerned. 7-0 to the over on the road against NFC teams this season. And Green Bay's team average was about uh, 32 and a half points per game in a situation where uh, you have a, an underdog coming into this game off the win they had. And if you're looking at what the Packers defense has done, they've given up 30 or more points in three of the last five games. This week, they got to face the NFL leader in points per drive, almost three yards per drive, three points per drive, excuse me. So I lean towards the over. It almost looks like maybe a little bit too easy. That's what scares me. As far as the side guys, I, I can't lay it with the Niners. I don't want the Packers. I don't think they can win outright. But I'm very concerned that they are able to get a backdoor cover and keep this one closer than the point spread. Yeah, don't have an opinion on this total, but I'll tell you what, Patrick, for me, I think the Niners team, even though they had the debacle against Baltimore, they're a complete football team. When you look at them up and down from a statistical standpoint, whether it's passing, running the ball, scoring points, third down conversions, these guys are in top five across the board. They're just so good, and they're such a complete team. I think Jordan Love played a great game, but I thought it was the right tonic for them. They got the Dallas Cowboys. Sure. I think that Dallas team, we know how good they've been at home. We talked about it earlier. You mentioned the stats, 16 wins in a row at home. But I don't think they were as good, really, as their numbers indicated. They beat up on some weaker opponents that did have the great win early against the Jets. Now you're playing a rested San Francisco team. They know what the focal point is. They're not going to have to leave their time zone to win a Super Bowl. Everything is ripe for the picking there if you're this team. You've got a young quarterback in Jordan Love. I know on the other side, Brock Purdy's younger as well. But I think the talent is just too overwhelming. And the inability of Green Bay to run the ball consistently. And I know they haven't had Jones most of the year. That's going to be a real challenge. It's hard to be one-dimensional against a team that's as good and stifling defensively here. I'm a little bit opposite of Scott on this one. I like the Niners to cover the number. The total of 50 and a half, I hate. Big guy, I'd like to get your take on this one, too. I hate to be on the consensus. But Green Bay, 7-2 and two straight up. 6-2 and two ATS, their last nine the passing game and we've talked about it incessantly but the passing game uh, number one in epa per drop back it, since week 11 the only team that's been better in the packers in that realm that is the 49ers these two teams are playing each other and two offenses that are as hot as anybody in football they're going to light up the scoreboard uh, i love the over i know it's going to be square play I know it's going to be consensus but two offenses right now that are clicking and that 49ers offense isn't going to have the issue the Cowboys had early. Just travel with me to this land that I'm going to create here where Matt LaFleur has been the most inspired play caller in the league over about the last eight, nine weeks. And those receivers for Green Bay, they are young, they are fast, they don't get hit a lot. And I think with San Francisco's strength being the pass rush and the linebackers, I think the corners where they potentially could be exploited, there is a world, not saying I live in it, not saying we can travel there easily without someone inventing a special machine to go through dimensions, but there is a world where that passing game is clicking with short stuff, getting the ball out quickly, and those corners for San Francisco struggle with those speedy Packers receivers. Totally agree. The Niners 10 and 7 to the over this year. Add the wild card. Green Bay 11 and 7 to the over. It's going to be a fun matchup. More with Scott next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, we did mention it at the onset of the show, but out of respect, we should again. Golden State and Utah has been canceled tonight. 
because Golden State assistant coach Dejan Milojevic, a mentor to two-time NBA MVP Jokic and former star player is in his native, native Serbia, died on Wednesday in Utah after suffering a heart attack, the Warriors announce. Milojevic, part of the staff that helped the Warriors win the 2022 NBA championship, was just 46. So horrific story out of Golden State by way of Salt Lake City where Milojevic passed away. So just wanted to get that out there. It's tough to transition off of, but out of respect, we should. Okay, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We're joined in studio as he customarily does on Wednesday. Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com, professional handicapper. Scott wins on Twitter. So we're running the divisional round. I know you guys have some college hoops plays we want to get in as well. So let's keep it going, Scott. Uh, Tampa Bay, Detroit. So, again, if you want to bet the Lions, you can find a six and a half. What's fascinating about DraftKings is Tampa Bay, Detroit, open Detroit lane seven, and they haven't budged. So if you want to bet the Packers, go over to DraftKings. Excuse me, the Bucks. Packers on my mind. We just talked about them. You can go over to DraftKings and catch the seven. Uh, you can break it down from either perspective, Detroit six and a half or Tampa seven. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the Detroit six and a half number, so you know where I'm going here. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, I just think the Buccaneers, and again, it may not be metrics-wise, but just scheduling-wise, who they played when they played them, including last week, were arguably the luckiest team in the NFL this year and finished 9-8 and eight before last week's uh, playoff win. Uh, the Eagles, we all know, mailed it in. They gave up on the season. They didn't show up last week. Having said that, you're going up against a team that's not putting really any pressure on you from offense or defense, and you're only up 16-9 to nine late third quarter, and your quarterback, who's going up against a defense that laid down at the time, was 14 for 27 or 13 for 27. It was one pass up or one pass below 50% with his completion rate, talking about Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Philly makes a couple of huge mistakes, Tampa Bay scores, and he's able to hit a bunch of passes when there was absolutely zero pressure that the Buccaneers were going to lose that football game. So as you can tell, I do my best not to get prejudiced against or, or you know, like be favorite on a team. And it's been tough for me with Tampa Bay. Uh, Non-road favorites, which are dogs or picks, have been a bankroll burner in Tampa Bay's spot. And basically they're teams that have covered 13 of 52, losing by an average of 12 points per game. And that's if they're playing uh, against teams that are in that 450 to 550 win percentage again not an angles guy during the regular season but i don't mind when they jump out at you in the playoffs uh, detroit's also covered all nine of their games uh, this year or last in the second half of the season or now postseason against teams that allow at least 5.65 yards per play second half of the season tampa bay's given up five point almost six yards per play this offense for detroit has been built the last couple of years under this coaching staff to take care of business when they're going up against teams that give up a bunch of yards per play. Uh, and again, I mentioned earlier that when you look at all the yardage they've given up per play, they've done it against Bryce Young twice. They've done it against Desmond Ritter. They did it against Gardner Minshew. Uh, I, I just can't understand how Tampa Bay has got here without a lot of luck in scheduling. And as far as golf is concerned and company, they've got four players with at least 10 touchdowns on the season, four different players. And I saw somewhere a week or so ago that that's like the first time it's happened in the NFL or, or second time in almost 50 years. I, I just think the Lions are going to be way too tough on Tampa Bay. And, boy, they're going to have to make a lot of mistakes, I think, to keep Baker's head in this one. He can be a real spaz at times. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> that, was, that was well. I'll just say that was yeah, perfect. You I'll just, <laughs> no, I, I, I perfectly put because we were having the Baker debate. Would you sign him to a long-term deal? That calling him a spaz is perfect. Uh, back on October fifteenth, I can just say this quickly, boys. Uh, the Lions, a twenty-six winner down in Tampa. It was very workmanlike. I will say this: Baker missed a couple of big shots deep in that game where Detroit. I don't have the numbers in front of me. They outgained the Bucks by one twenty, one thirty, somewhere in there. The Bucks couldn't run the ball at all. In fact, Dustin, you may look it up for me. The Bucks may not have ran for thirty yards in the game. If you can now, the Lions have a awesome, like one of the best in the NFL. They have a great run defense. Now their pass defense is horrific, but if you can't keep them honest a little bit, the Lions with a run, which is what you saw and uh, why Los Angeles had success. They kept them a bit honest. Tampa Bay couldn't run the ball October 15th against Detroit. And it was a very workman, like 20 to six win this. I called it a layup them all. Detroit should have no problems with this, but it's a wonderful story to get to the divisional round for this Tampa Bay team, bad division, but Detroit, this should be a layup. They're a much more talented team. Yeah, absolutely. I think they had, what, 46 yards rushing in the game, but it was more domination by the team in terms of time of possession, third down conversion. Patrick, to me, you know, Scott and I were talking about this during the break, and we, you and I also touched upon this. Look, I'm not taking anything away from the Buccaneers' dominant performance against the Philadelphia Eagles, but let's be realistic about Philadelphia. This is a broken team for the last six weeks. I mean, when you name Matt Patricia your defensive coordinator 12 weeks into the season, there's something amiss within your organization. Now you've got a team in Detroit. I get they're coming off an emotional victory, but I think Dan Campbell's been around long enough. Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl. This team will be fine. They've got the... They've got probably and arguably the best home crowd going right now in the postseason. Buffalo, many people have seen home games there. The Niners' expectations, Super Bowl, same with the Ravens. But this is something unique for the Detroit Lions, a great opportunity. And then if you really look at this team, they struggled. If you look back, Tampa, the final game of the regular season against the Carolina Panthers, Antoine Winfield Jr. makes a tremendous play to knock the ball away to save a touchdown at the goal line. Otherwise, they could have been trailing in that game. They only managed nine points in that football game. They're not really a good football team. I think we're giving them a ton of credit for one win. You use this term every time when we speak uh, every Monday or Tuesday, recency bias. I don't know if a team is getting more credit for recency bias right now than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep, I totally agree. So pretty uh, big guy. Anything on that one before we get to Kansas City Buffalo? Uh, no, but uh, the nothing on the side or total. The, the key for me in this game I love Jameer Gibbs receiving props. I think he is going to torch Tampa Bay. He is too quick on the edge catching the ball. And those linebackers, they're more traditional. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with him. Beautiful. Kansas City, Buffalo, the nightcap on Sunday, Scott. Well, not necessarily. What I think it's going to be played 330 East. Six, no, 630 East, 330 West. It's going to be cold, potentially snowy, windy, as we outlined. Uh, Buffalo right now, two and a half. Now, you can find a three if you like Kansas City, but Buffalo two and a half and a total of 45. I had KC last weekend. I stayed away from the Buffalo game because I just, I, you know, I was doing a show. It might have been the show that I do in Phoenix on Fridays, and they were asking me about this game, and I, the Buffalo game last week, and I said, I, I cannot recommend anybody, not just my own money, but I can't recommend to anybody to plunk their money down on that game. At the time, it was supposed to still be played on Sunday. And I'm like, you, you just can't do it with the way that weather was. So I ended up staying off it even after it got uh, postponed today. And the weather was a little bit better. But, you know, they rolled anyway. They've won six in a row since making that change in offensive coordinator. And that's what I was kind of talking about at the top of the show. 
since that change of coordinator, they're averaging 154 rushing yards per game in those last six games on 214 carries. It's 4.3 yards per carry while averaging 36 carries per game. That's all up from where it was before they made the change at OC. And, and the attention to the ground game, I really do think, has helped Josh Allen become a better quarterback. He's already an incredibly talented guy, but he gets in those little situations where it almost is like he's thinking, I got to make this throw. I got to make something happen when he really doesn't have to. And that's when he gets in trouble and throws that occasional interception. He hasn't had to think that way too much since they've got the new coordinator that run the football. And again, as I mentioned, Casey's, they just scare the heck out of me with these red zone issues. They can't get the ball in the end zone. Uh, and they, we saw it again last week against Miami. Miami was begging to be scored upon, and all KC could do was line up for field goal attempts. So that's worrisome. Um, better quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, slightly better team right now, Buffalo. I like Buffalo to get the job done. little surprised. It's, there's been some threes. It gets bumped. There's been the money that's been moved, the juice on this quite a bit back and forth. Um, I thought by now, when the line came out Sunday night, I thought by now the Bills would be a three-point favorite. So I agree. A little interesting there. I, I think it clo- I think it closes three. I, I really do. Uh, there, you see a couple of threes in the market, uh, but I think eventually this will close three. Anything to close this one out, Amal? You know, just real quick to Scott's point on the field goals. You think about this. Throw the Chargers game out. It was a meaningless game in the final game of the regular season. Harrison Butker has made ten field goals in the last two games. That's a problem. You're playing against the Buffalo team. I think their confidence level is at the highest it's been all year long. Good opportunity, home game here. I don't think they fear Kansas City, maybe like some other teams have in the past. I'm with Scott. Two and a half to play on Buffalo. I'm going to go full square bear this weekend, man. I'm going with all four favorites. <laughs> full square bear. That's what, <laughs> that's what Dustin's ex-girlfriend called him. <laughs> I, by the way, I don't hate that name, the square bear. <laughs> I am a bear in certain communities. <laughs> if, if it's said in a Russian accent, it really fits, Scott. It know. really fits you, Dustin. <laughs> Squarey bear. <laughs> I, I can't do accents. Squarey? <laughs> Is that a Russian accent? <laughs> it sounds like something Dustin may have heard last weekend at a venue oh, in this town. Good. There was a rhino it's at Scott. that venue, though. Yes, I think there is. I'm I'm sure there is. Okay, we're going to come back. A little college hoops with Scott Spritzer and an NBA play as well. We continue Sharp Money. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. $5, get 200 in bonus bets instantly. If that sounds good, just download the DraftKings app, and that's for new customers. All you have to do to get the 200 bucks is use the promo code VEGAS. So again, new customers, download the app. 5 bucks gets you 200 in bonus bets instantly using Vegas. Remember, all betters every day is no sweat, same game parlay at DraftKings. The crown is yours. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson sitting in the middle. Scott Spritzer, I'm Patrick Maher, DocSports.com for Scott. Handicapper, professional at Scott Wins on Twitter. We were talking about the differences, and we'll go PG here. We were talking about the differences of Vegas from the 90s until current day and present day, Scott. Um, even like you talk about the Fountain Blue opening up, adding to the skyline there, adding to the casinos and just the strip, although it's a little off the strip. Like people would tell me when I moved there, I believe I moved there in like what, 20? They were like, five years ago, you wouldn't recognize the city. 10 years ago, the city didn't resemble itself. 20 years ago, this was a good, like, it's just, maybe you could talk about it because you've been there for so long, but just the progression and how the city's changed so much. It's crazy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't recognize it. I mean, the Tropicana is still around for a few more minutes. You know, that was here back then. Um, it's just so different. My favorite hangout back then was the Dunes, which is where the Bellagio sits now. And we used to golf and then party at the Dunes all the time. Uh, the changes, well, it was the architecture was corny back then, but it worked. It was Vegas. So now we got all these buildings with all these, you know, mirror windows and all that kind of stuff, and it's it's just not the same. You pay through the nose for everything here now, and uh, you didn't. I mean, you could have a fantastic week in Vegas on the cheap. When I got here in '84, I, I drove out here in a little VW a month after my high school graduation. <laughs> And I floored it to do like 25 up the Rockies, by the way. <laughs> it was scary. But I got to Vegas, and there was maybe 300,000, 400,000 people here back then. That was about it. Flamingo did not go through to the Strip. Flamingo stopped at Valley View, and there was no more road. So there was only a couple wow. of ways to get to the Strip. That would be like Charleston, Sahara, Tropicana. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was just different. And the, the times were great. The people were different. I remember getting called up on stage by Cordell Gunther and the Coasters to sing Shout and play the sax when they found out I had a sax and played the sax. That doesn't happen anymore in concerts in Las Vegas. That was at the Flamingo Hilton. And it's funny because they'd call you up and you'd do your thing, and they started calling me and another guy the Shout Brothers because we always sing Shout, and the crowd would go freaking crazy. 
because here's these two, you know, jabronis being called up on stage to <laughs> sing and to play a little sax. It was such a different time. I really do miss the time at the same time. If it didn't change, I might not be here right now. So that might be a good thing for me personally. What made you think at 18 in Nebraska that you could just drive out and make a life in Vegas? I was actually 17. I was about eight months before my uh, my 18th birthday. And I came out here, I had a, I have an older brother who was here in 76, 77. And I thought, well, I'll come out here. I was going to go to San Diego. I was going to go to college in San Diego, and I stopped in Vegas, and I decided this was the place. Uh, my brother is about 14 years older than me, so he was already working for uh, the Schenker Group, Rudolph Schenker, over at the uh, Dunes Hotel. And he was in collections and all that kind of stuff, a young guy. I saw him like maybe once in the first 18 months because he had a wacky wife who are there now a long time ago split up. But anyway, having said that, so I had to develop my own friendships and all that kind of stuff. And I started hanging out with these guys from Youngstown and, and Steubenville. And they were all seven, they were all seven, eight years older than me. And, and that's how it happened. But I was actually driving to San Diego thinking I was going to go to college there. I just got sucked in by the sports books and the lights. And by the way, <laughs> Samstown was the, the butt kicking book back then. Samstown and Stardust back in the day. No kidding. No so kidding. wait, you were driving, you were on your way to San Diego like 40 years ago and never left Vegas? Yep. <laughs> you stopped, stopped by in Vegas. That left. was that. Went to college for a couple of years. My second year, March Madness rolled around and I found myself sitting to the Palace Station sports book eight hours a day rather than sitting in the classroom. And next thing I know, I was working at radio and I had a sports betting show in 1988 or 89 every morning called Sunrise Sports at 7 o'clock in the morning. That's how all this started. It was a sports betting show so back in the day. You're technically still passing through? <laughs> still on my way. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't. It's crazy to think, right? Like the decisions oh, we make, man. the butterfly effect. You have a daughter and a great wife now, but you were on your way to San Diego. And who well, knows what would have happened? Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for sharing that story. We, I, 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 People love the old Vegas stories and the origin stories of how somebody ended up there. I think a lot of people like wistfully want to live in Vegas. Uh, and that's a tremendous story from back in the day. West Virginia, Oklahoma. Let's go to the college board. 719 today. Uh, West Virginia at Oklahoma. Oklahoma laying 12 and a half here, Scott, and 146 on the total. Yeah, I saw this number get as low as 11 and a half. I guess I'm going to be square bear too there, Dustin, because I like the suitors of this one. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they've dropped back-to-back -back games. They lost to TCU in Kansas, but the job gets more manageable tonight. West Virginia's a horrible offensive team. They pulled that big upset over Texas, but I think – you know, Texas is getting too much credit. I mean, if you look at Ken Palm, they're, I think, 41st or 42nd in Ken Palm's power rating. So I think they're getting a little bit too much credit for that. They're 310th and 296th in three-point and two-point accuracy, West Virginia. Uh, and they aren't too hot at defending the trays. So I think Oklahoma gets the job done tonight. If you look at West Virginia's schedule, and I look for Ken Palm for power ratings of schedules and that kind of stuff so people know, but West Virginia has faced one team power rated in the top 35 that ended in a 34-point loss to Houston. Oklahoma's not Houston, but they're pretty darn good, top 20 at Ken Palm, and, and I think they get the job done here after the two losses. It's a pretty good team, Patrick. You look at them, 95.2 defensive rating in the top 30 in college basketball. Offensively, shoots about 48%, 35 from beyond the arc. Mounties really struggle, just 30% from beyond the perimeter. This could be a bad spot for them going into Lloyd Noble tonight. Detroit 
at Robert Morris, Amal Shaw. Yeah. Robert Morris is laying eight, 143 and a half on the total. Yeah, going to the Horizon League, look, let's make no mistake about it. The uh, Colonials are not a particularly good team. But, you know, we've seen how bad the Detroit Pistons basketball team is, and it's permeated down to the collegiate ranks. The Titans this year are 0 and 18. 0 and 18. Patrick, this is just simply a play against Detroit. Uh, laying eight and a half here is Robert Morris at home. This Detroit team, they had a couple opportunities against Wisconsin, Green Bay, and Milwaukee at home, covered one out of two. I think they're in a little bit of trouble here. This would be Mike Davis's final year in Detroit. Yeah, Mike Davis hasn't had a great run there. No. Uh, Texas Tech at Houston, 731. Houston's laying big price here, 13. Scott Spritzer and 129 and a half on the total. So let's gobble up some more chalk here. They've won 14 <laughs> games in a row going back to the third week of January at home. Uh, they're, they're of January of last year. Uh, they're off a pair of road losses. They lost at Iowa State. Hilton Coliseum, never an easy place to play. Uh, they lost to TCU in a game they probably should have wrapped up in the final minute, but they did lose. I think it's a good spot for a bounce-back win and cover. No team uh, is better on the whole when it comes to defense than the Cougars, who are the best in the nation in defensive adjusted efficiency, sixth or better in six more important defensive metrics. The thing is, they're also top 20 in offensive adjusted efficiency. And I don't think enough people realize that Houston is in the top 20 in that, in that very important uh, metric. And then you look at Texas Tech. Their numbers aren't bad, but they played one team inside the top 40 as far as power rated is concerned. That was a 16-point loss to Villanova. I think off of two losses, Houston gets back on track here and, and wins going away in this one. So, man, that's, that's a lot of points. That's like 25 points in two games combined that I'm laying tonight, and I don't usually do that. But, but, you know, to his point on Houston, when you look at it, it's very hard to simulate what they do defensively because the intensity cannot be duplicated in practice. I think the Red Raiders are going to be in for a rude awakening, particularly a team coming off of back-to-back -back losses. Probably should have beaten the Frogs up in Fort Worth, but didn't get it done. They lose by one there, four in Ames. This is going to be a tough one for Texas Tech. Let's go to the Big Ten. Amal, 725 Maryland Northwestern. Northwestern home, lane four and a half, 132 on the total. Yeah, I know Dante Scott got hot in the game against Michigan in the second half, but remember, this is a team that was without McDaniel on the road. This is not a good uh, shooting team for Willard. I like this Northwestern team. Chris Collins has done a really nice job here. This is a dangerous team. Uh, they're going to play well here at home at Welsh Ryan tonight, only laying four and a half in this matchup. I'm telling you guys, anytime you have an opportunity to bet against Maryland and you have a shorter number, do so. This is one of the most horrific offensive teams in college basketball, particularly from a field goal percentage, below 30% from beyond the perimeter so far this year. Not going to get better tonight. Uh, I like the Cats. I thought this number should have been closer to 6.5. Okay. Let's throw in, before we get out of here, Scott, I believe you added an NBA play. 509, the Rockets are at the Knicks. The Knicks are laying seven and a total of 220 and a half. By the way, I just want to mention I agree with Sean, uh, with with almost called you Sean. <laughs> I do a show so many times with Sean. I agree with them all. I agree with them all on Northwestern. But yeah, Rockets and Knicks. It was six when I jumped on this. It's like you said, seven in a lot of spots right now. And you know, Houston's just struggling right now. They've won four of 18 on the road, so they're already not great on the road beforehand. Uh, but they've covered just five of those road games, four of 12. That's what they've done in their last 12 games, and they've only covered three of those. Uh, when I look as far as New York's concerned, they're in better shape. They did have a horrible shooting night in that loss uh, to Orlando last time out, but uh, they've been good. They've won all seven of the last seven meetings with Houston. They've covered six of those, and uh, five of the six wins in this series were by over 20 points per game. I think the Knicks get the job done. We've, we squeezed a lot into three hours, boys. So we great job. 
Malshaw, Dustin Sweetelson. Scott Spritzer, we're glad you didn't make it to San Diego. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> Doc, Doc Sports, go check them out. The videos and the plays, DOCSports.com and at Scott Wins. We'll see you tomorrow here on Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. It's Freddie Prinz Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.